Hey everybody, I'm excited today. I got my friend Derek Kinney here and we're talking about teens and money and just really answering a few different questions uh, because I don't quite have a teen yet. I have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old and a four-year-old, so I'm not quite there, but I am in the beginning stages of teaching my kids about money and I'm quickly realizing how important this is and how big a deal this is and obviously just becomes more of a thing as I move into teenage years. So uh, Derek is our resident teen money expert, and I will explain why in a little bit. But I wanted to bring him on and just be able to help uh, anyone who has teens kind of move them forward in their financial life. And hopefully this episode will help you do that. So with all that, Derek, thank you for taking a few minutes. Come chat, my friend. Oh, my pleasure, Bob. Always a good investment of time to spend it with you. So thanks for the invite today. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way. So I want to start off with a bang here, uh, something that I think is kind of controversial among the whole, I don't know, teen money thing. And I just want to get your thoughts on this. But in terms of money management for teams, um, talk to me about your philosophy on earnings versus allowance and how you personally hand that and what handle that and what your thoughts are there. Well, I'm going to answer it because I'm not a participation trophy kind of guy. And I believe sometimes as parents, as hard as this is going to be for you to hear, we have to manufacture struggle for our kids. Mm -hmm. And I got to thinking the other day about why don't my teens do more of this or why don't other people do more of this? And I think about, well, you know, back in my day, and when you say those words, it makes you sound 50 <laughs> years older than you are, for goodness sake. Never say yeah. that if you take one thing away from this, this podcast. But what I realized was that's not fair. Because the generation mm -hmm. our teens are growing up in today is what they see today. That's all they know. And so it's not fair for me to judge them based on how when I was a teen, it's simply unrealistic. It's point. like when I show them a phone book and they're like, what, what is that? Is that the next J.R. Tolkien series? You know, what, <laughs> what do you mean by this? And so what I realize is, is that we've got to look past our own financial inadequacies, our own financial insecurities as parents and say, look, if I don't know how to do something, let's be curious together. And so I want to tell my yeah. kids, look, we'll give you an allowance, but you need to do some things around the house, A, to help contribute to the family, or B, we're going to give you an allowance as a training vehicle to show you how to manage the money. And, and sometimes, yeah. even as young kids, I might be, here are five pieces of candy, and we want to give one candy over here. And that's called to God. We're going to give God the mm -hmm. first piece of candy. And then we're going to give this other piece of candy to people in need. And then we're going to give the other three pieces of candy to you to do what you want. And then asking questions, mm -hmm. what are some things that you want to do? So at a base level, if we can begin to educate kids like that with a purpose, I think it's going to be okay. But we've got to show teens the plan. But also, Bob, and I don't want people to miss this, tell your kids your failings. Sometimes mm -hmm. your biggest financial failures can be the biggest success indicators for your teen because now they see That's you good. as real and raw and authentic. And suddenly, oh my gosh, mom and dad aren't perfect, but they care so much to tell me the truth. And you can't put a price tag on that. That's so good because we've had a few of those moments with our kids where I have just kind of said, oh yeah, I really messed up here. And like all of them went from just kind of like this to like, perking up and so interested in what I was saying. And it's pretty common for us, you know, on our podcast or whatever to share our failures. But like with our kids, like I don't do that all the time. 
And it was just fascinating how much it gripped their attention as soon as I started talking about my mistakes. So I think that makes so much sense. That's very, very wise. Um, okay, so along these lines, I really like the candy thing, and especially like that's something that we can apply with our four-year-old. Like I think he can get that, which is great. But uh, let's talk a little bit about wants versus needs and how, you know, like what you found to be helpful in helping teens kind of understand the difference between the two for those that don't know. Well, it's important to place it in teens vernacular. In other words, we always have to realize that how we see things as parents is vastly different than how our teens see it. And to ask our teen to see it how we see it, I again, I believe is unrealistic. We want to meet the teen where they're at. And one thing we know is they understand consumer behavior. So let me give you an example. When I am in a room and I'm talking to teens about how to think about investing 101, what I'll ask them to do is look on yourself right now and tell me the brands that you are wearing right now. And they'll tell me, I see Nike or, or I see Adidas or I see my Apple phone or I see whatever the brand is. And I said, do you think, well, first I'll ask them, what is it that you like about those brands? And they'll tell me, they make me look cool. Everybody else has them. And then I'll say, do you think it stands to reason that if you like that, other teens all around the world would like it too? And all the hands go up. And I say, and do you think those companies will likely keep producing things that you'll want to keep buying? And all the hands go up. And I say, well, that might be a stock for you to buy because yeah. now you're just following consumer behavior. And so yeah. the reason I give you that example, Bob, is I could say ad nauseum, buy this stock and here's how the market works and here's how the economy works. And you can almost hear your teen snoring the moment you finish that sentence, right? But yeah. if you talk about, okay, this is what it means to me, suddenly this world of possibilities opens up. And so I say that because once the teen understands, oh my gosh, this is how while we're talking right now, I could be making money. It helps mm -hmm. them better see needs versus wants. Because now what they can do is they can say, hey, just because you want something and you may want to buy that candy bar today, but what if you took that dollar and you put it somewhere else where it could actually grow in value, then you could buy two candy bars. Well, suddenly now they recognize, oh my gosh, if I delay gratification and really kind of prolong hunger a little bit and my desire, I can truly get what I want. And so those are ways yeah. to talk to teens in a way that really helps them make sense. Because ultimately what I feel like my job as a parent is to do two things. Number one, I want to help extract every ounce of potential they have in them. I'm like a, I'm like a pickaxe parent. I want to just tap in and just pull out everything they've got so that they can use all that God has given them to mm -hmm. use to grow his kingdom and to impact people's lives. But also I want to give them the tools to make good decisions. Because ultimately, and I'll tell you this story a little bit later, our youngest son, who's a senior in high school, just graduated. And I had a big epiphany that changed how I parent based on something I felt like God showed me that really connected with him. But it was a framework of decision making so that as he left the house, now he could make his own decisions without mom or dad having to be flying the helicopter with the binoculars, hoping he's making yeah. the right move. And then us giving him play by play of, nope, son, you need to do this. <laughs> All right. Well, you need to hear what this is. Like, I'm so excited. You have me uh, all chomping to the bit. So what, what is that? What is this revelation you got? Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. you know, we've got four kids. And one thing I've learned is each of our kids are different. And so uh, my son's name is Dylan. And 
he, you know, he charts his own path, goes his own way. And I was really finding myself, Bob, just, just if I'm being honest here, uh, managing every molehill in his life. And I was losing yeah. sight of the real mountains. I would walk in his room and I would swear between you and I, there was no flooring on his, on his floor. I thought there was carpet there, but apparently all his clothing, uh, this, you know, kind of a camouflage yeah. that. And yeah. everything he did, I would micromanage. But suddenly it was like God said, D Derek, this senior year is all about man training. He hmm. said, it's all about man training. And the moment I felt like I heard that voice from him, my perspective as a parent changed. I did a 180, Bob. And what happened was suddenly I didn't care. I didn't care about his floor. I yeah. didn't care about his bathroom. I didn't care about whether he wore deodorant. I didn't care about any of that stuff. Suddenly I realized I have one year to train him as a man so that when he leaves the house, he's prepared to be the man God wants him to be. His future spouse needs him to be and for him to be the man to use the potential God has given him. And what that did is it dramatically changed our relationship because I told him, I said, Dylan, now that you're a senior, I'm going to treat you like a man and I'm going to give you a mm. lot more responsibility. We're going to give you a lot of autonomy doesn't mean you're going to make all the right decisions, but my job as your dad is to prepare you now for the future. And it, it completely, I mean, I don't want to get emotional here, but it, it just transformed my relationship because it wasn't the best relationship. I was micromanaging him. He felt like my thumb was on his head the whole time. But when I began yeah. to, to treat him like a man and he knew I respected him as a man, he rose up as a man. Yeah. It was powerful. That's so good. It was powerful. That's so good. So uh, were there financial aspects to that, that you were micromanaging? Or were there financial lessons all tied up in this too? You know, the, the lessons that I've learned have been to share my mistakes. You know, similar to what you talked about, that if you make a mistake, during COVID, especially when we were having family dinners again, it was sort of like family 2.0. It would give everybody yeah. in the world a chance to like have family again. We'd go yeah. around the table and talk about our highs and our lows that many families do. And, and I realized I was kind of giving the pet answer, dad, how was your day? Well, it was good. I did this and that. And it was sort of like this, this boring third version of a movie that you know how the ending's going to be. And the days where I said, hey guys, I got to be honest, dad really screwed up today. Well, then you could have heard a pin drop. It was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so good. Dad screwed up. Everybody gather around the campfire. Let's listen yeah. to this story. And so I talk about a mistake I made, or maybe it was an investment decision I made that I thought was going to go well, that, that really lost me money. And I, I would tell him, hey, th this cost me a couple thousand dollars. I'm like, what? A couple thousand dollars? And what I realized was that in that moment, I had been robbing my kids of not being more vulnerable. And mm -hmm. what happens is, is every, I'm going to fast forward a bit. Every Tuesday night, we have what we call family dinner at our house. And it's not like a typical family dinner. We invite young couples and whoever wants to bring guests to come over to the house, free dinner, a great conversation from 6.30 to 9.30. So it's typically young couples, some that are newly married, some that have young kids, and we just flow. It's just a great time together. And what I realized was some of them as they were getting married would talk about, they would encounter some financial challenges, but they'd say, but our mom and dad never really dealt with this apparently. It seems like yeah. we're the only ones to have this problem. And so we began to tell them, 
hey, it's not that they didn't have the problem. They just probably didn't feel comfortable or confident telling you about it. And so it taught me a lesson of, I don't want our kids to grow up thinking that, hey, mom and dad surely didn't have this problem. We must be doing something wrong. I want to prepare these teens and my own kids to know this is life. Life is a series of ups and downs. Uh, You know, psychologists tell us that the average person, Bob, experiences three to four crises per year interrupted by the occasional emergency. I mean, what that means is that all of our life, we're either about to go into a crisis or we're coming out of one. And once we accept that, now we don't get knocked off the railroad by the train coming at us all the time. And so it taught me to teach my son, hey, son, I want to give you belief. He wants to start his own business. And he told me something very telling. And it talks about the culture of our family. He said, dad, he said, I know I can be successful because I have, I'm in a family of entrepreneurs and we always find a way. And so when he said that, it instilled belief as a dad that, okay, this year was a good investment back in him. But it's kind of funny. Sometimes the teacher learns more. And I will have to say, I became a better parent his senior year, probably better than he became a better teen his senior year. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. So I'd love to hear, uh, you know, with your own kids um, or what you've learned, how are you handling um, teaching them about debt? Yeah. I'll just leave it at that and you can take it any way you want to go. So so my my take on debt... Now, by the way, let me say this. Let me say this. Your comment about the, okay, what is the your favorite credit card, Bob? Chase Sapphire Preferred. Chase, yeah, yeah. Several several of our listeners on our podcast, after your interview, have commented on they like that card. So thanks for that tip, yeah. by the way. Yeah. So my, my perspective on debt is a little bit different than many people, and that is I look at debt as a tool. You know, some people think if there's a four-letter word, it automatically defaults to bad. But if we use debt in a positive way, I think it can be a tool. And one thing that we find is when you examine wealthy people, people who on the outside you would say, boy, that's something I want to do or be like them, typically they found a way to leverage debt in a positive way, playing by the rules, but enable them to accumulate wealth at a faster pace. And I'll tell you a story. When I bought my first financial advisory practice back in 2009, At the time, no bank would loan me money on a financial planning practice. They just didn't understand the concept of recurring revenue. And so I went to my brother-in-law at the time, and he loaned me $200,000 because no bank would do it. And my brother-in-law said, Derek, I'm going to loan this to you, but if you pay it back, you'll be the first relative ever to pay me back. Well, now the challenge (laughs) was on because I'm like, I'm the kind of guy that if I... If I uh, lend money or borrow money from somebody or or they pay for my meal, I feel like I owe them and I want to make it up right away. I never like to have any debt hanging over my head. So we paid that loan off uh, in quicker than 10 years, which was the note, but it allowed me to buy a $2 million business that positively mm-hmm. cash flowed immediately using OPM, other people's money. And so mm-hmm. you might say, well, that was debt. Well, yes, it was debt but it was actually none of my own money at all in the transaction. And during that economic time, when things were hard, I kept investing money while things were going low, low, low. And eventually the sun came out midway through 2009. And it was one part where my net worth grew. We were able to give more to the church than ever before. 
And it was that rare combination where taking the risk enabled us to really grow our wealth. And so what I would tell yeah. people is credit is one of your tools in your tool belt. You know, if I were to build a house and the builder said, now, Derek, there's one thing unique about how we build houses. We only have a chisel. So we only have a chisel to work with. That's it. And so the house is going to look a little bit different because we only have a chisel. Well, I probably wouldn't hire them. But if the person said, I have an array, an array of tools that I can use to meet your needs and we will develop this how you want it, I'd be more likely to pick that builder. So what I would tell yeah. people is use debt in, in a positive way. But also, I'll tell you another story. When, when my kids were growing up, we would go to Chick-fil-A a lot. I often joked if I had an office at Chick-fil-A or Target at the time, I would see my family like every day. It'd be like, wow, we're home together. And, and what I realized was my kids never knew how this plastic square worked. So I put everything yeah. on my credit card and then we pay it off the end of each month. Well, I told my kids one day, hey, guys, just so you know, when dad gives this little, you, you might think of it like a magic square to the Chick-fil-A person, they, they write down how much everything cost. Then they send mom and I a bill the end of each month to pay everything. They're like, what? I didn't know you had to pay. Oh, yeah, yeah. We have to, <laughs> we have to pay for it. So that way they know how this works. And so we never want to take for granted the process. And so what I told them was, anytime you put something on the credit card, just in your mind or write it down, I already need to have the money set aside to pay it off the end of the month. That's how to win the credit card game. Okay. So that's the one side. On the other hand of this, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I remember uh, a kid who I went to grade school with was a year older than me. Uh, so it got into college when I was a senior in high school. And I remember hearing that he, his parents gave him uh, two credit cards or something. And so what he would do uh, is he would go buy pizza for the entire dorm room floor on his credit card, his parents' credit card, and then have them pay him cash. And his parents would get whatever $5,000 um, bill at the end of the month. And then he's just sitting with the cash and Anyway, it was just a hilarious anecdote about it, but but what are you doing to help them to use the tool of a credit card, in this case, um, wisely and avoid stuff like that? Well, I think it's important, and what I'm teaching my kids is to A, get a credit card. And one of the hacks that we found is that if mom and dad have an existing credit card, for example, our Capital One card, we can get our kids a Capital One card. And what happens then is, is it lets us teach them in real time what expenses to put on there, how to manage it. But it also has this blessing of it imparts our credit score to them, which is fascinating. Yeah. And so that's something I think parents can really use. So many people look at credit card as the enemy. It is the villain. We only pay cash. We will not use credit cards. Well, let me just be a voice of reason and say the economy didn't know that. And the way that people buy houses and cars, they don't know that everybody has to pay cash. That's not how the system works. Yeah. And so if you want your child to be set up for some economic success, the greatest gift you can give them is a credit card and teach them how to use it and let them know, hey, we're all going to make mistakes, but it's all going back to the man training concept. It's credit card training so that when they're on their own, they're prepared to use it as a tool. Now, if you want to pay cash for everything, that is great. But what I find is it's the training 
that teaches the kids to be economically successful long-term. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I would add to that is in our case, and I, and I would venture to guess that this is the case for a lot of people. When we first got married, we had a lot of credit card debt and we were just kind of a mess. And we were people who probably shouldn't have a credit card because we could not control our spending. But at the end of the day, it wasn't the credit card's fault. Like we had our own issues that were causing that overspending. The credit card was merely a vehicle to do it. And we could have done that any number of other ways. It's just, but anyway, so my point in that is that, you know, like you, I don't view credit cards as this, you know, monster evil thing. I view them as a tool. And, and yes, it, it is a tool that can harm you if you don't use it properly, which is why it's important to, I believe, teach our kids how to use it rather than just expect them to figure it out when they're 20 years old. But at the end of the day, if there are heart issues or spending issues that need to be addressed, they need to be addressed regardless of whether you're using cash or whether you're using a credit card. Uh, and, and I think most people don't realize that. They don't connect those dots, you know? Well, I agree. An analogy I would give you would be there was a family that we were very, very close with. Uh, we have been for a long time. But their philosophy was we will not give our kids a cell phone until they graduate high school. Now, that mm -hmm. was a very, very legalistic approach. And again, every family gets to dictate their own rules. But what we realized was it led to some major problems for that family because there was a lot of sneaking around. There was a lot of behavior mm. that promoted intense curiosity by those teenagers. And so by the time they went to, to college and out of high school, it led to some really crazy things. And yeah. so I, I, can, I can't fault them for that because you want to protect your kids because you see culture really coming down hard. But what I realize is, and not to sound too fortune cookie like here, Bob, but we are where we are. And so this yeah. is where we are. And so I just think as parents, it's incumbent upon us to train our kids for where we are right now. And so yeah. part of that is giving your kids a phone, for example, at, at, a, at an appropriate age, but like we would have all of our kids turn their phones to us at a certain time, or they would have to turn their phone off at a certain time, or only their senior year could they keep their phone in their room by themselves. And the point of all that was, this is all part of training because the reality, yeah. and, and I had to realize this, Bob, that as parents, we often think that, well, hey, I told you no, that they automatically will not do it. Well, the realization is once my son's truck backs out of the driveway and he's down the street, he can do whatever he wants. And so it's all about trust and building very open communication with our kids. And yeah. that's something I think not just affects people financially, but, but even letting them know, hey, if you make a mistake and you're going to, because mom and I've made a ton of mistakes, we want to always have the, the open communication for you to feel like we are a safe place because ultimately that's the goal is whether yeah. we're not going to just punish you for something that's let's hear you out and then let's figure out how to solve this together. Again, giving them a decision-making framework where they feel confident in what they're doing, which I think helps them financially, socially, emotionally, but most importantly, I think often just relationally and how they interact with adults and other friends. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so I wanna transition now and talk about uh, your program, Simple Teen Success, that I think you rolled out in the last few months or so that 
Um, I think it's such a cool resource that you've created. Can you go ahead and explain? Uh, yeah, explain everything about it. Who you think it's good for? Um, and yeah, and why you started this thing? Yeah. Well, there's a burden that I have, and that is that this younger generation simply is not equipped or prepared to give them the tools they need to lead. You know, right now there's about 15 million students who are in high school. And in a recent survey, Bob, only 7% of parents, only 7% said they feel like high school prepares their teens for the real world. So in 25 years as a financial advisor, one thing I found is that parents want their teens to reach their full potential, but they worry all the time if they're doing enough to prepare them for success and for the real world. And I think inside they know that school is good for history and science and math, and all of those are important skills. But ultimately, if there's an employer down the road who says, is this person good with people? Can they get along with people? Can they achieve results? Or do they get an A on their history paper in the 10th grade? They're going to choose the person with the real world results. So let me give you an example. Yeah. Uh, I will often have coffee if, if a teen, I live in Dallas-Fort Worth, and if somebody calls me and says, hey, Mr. Kenny, can we have coffee together? Sure, I'd love to have coffee. So a young man who was a senior at the local high school said, uh, you know, Mr. Kenny, I want to pick your brain. Okay, and I'm going to come back to that term in just a second. But he said, I, I want to know what I should do for my future. And so we began to talk through, and I asked him a question about if we were together a year from now having coffee, what needs to happen this year for you to say, Mr. Kenny, this was the best year I've ever had. And it helped reveal what he really wanted in his heart. And he said, I want to own commercial real estate. I want to be someone who wow. buys properties. I want to have a business. And I said, okay. Here's what I would tell you. First of all, as we begin to help you put a plan together, never use the term, pick your brain. Instead, what you want to say is you want to talk to an adult and say, so-and-so, I have a plan and I have some goals and I want to get your feedback on how I can achieve those goals. And what I told so them was better. a young person with a plan is unstoppable. Youth is your superpower. So at the end of this coffee, this is where the story gets really cool. So we're leaving together, and as we're about to walk out of the coffee shop, in walks a friend of mine who happens to be one of the top commercial real estate people in Dallas-Fort Worth, and I got to introduce him to the student in that mm. moment. And I told the student afterwards, I said, because you told me what your plan was, I as an adult could help you, and I wanted to help you. And so the lesson there was, Young people with a plan are unstoppable. And I encourage teens to always have a plan because most of them don't. And when adults hear a teen with a plan, it automatically peaks. It's, it's like God gave adults this special compartment in their brain to say, if a young person has a plan, I want to help them. And so it's a beautiful thing. And so an, another example I would give you is many parents will tell me, Derek, my teen, all they do is look at their phone. And when we're around other adults, they don't engage. There's no eye contact. There's no dialogue or discussion. And so we've developed a framework to help teens confidently have conversations with adults. And what I call this is running the play. So let me give you an example. Use the coffee shop as an example. Let's say that you're a, you're a 10th grader and you're about to meet somebody for coffee at the coffee shop. Well, the play to run in your mind is, if I meet another adult, 
here's what I'm going to say. And so you walk into the coffee shop and so you, you meet somebody, you know, somebody introduces you and you have a choice to make. You can either say, hey, nice to meet you. Or what I tell our teens to say is, Bob, it is so nice to see you. Because how many teens have been told, oh, no, no, we met before, and then they feel embarrassed, and then they shrink back. But if you say, Bob, yeah. it is so nice to see you, it's always nice to see you, even for the first time. And then a question would be, hey, how's your day going? And you, you, we train them on a dialogue. That way they know what play to run in each situation. So, for example, you know, with teens, we know without the play to run, they're not going to do anything. And I, and I told a group of teens recently, you know, if I were to have all of you come on the football field and I were to say, okay, when I say hut, just do whatever you want to and let's just see what happens. Well, there would be just total chaos. But if I run the play, and, and another one would be if you're about to go into uh, the grocery store or to the retail store and you know, okay, I, I might see some adults here, what am I going to do? And so I'll ask the teens, okay, if you were to see some adults that you know, would you A, walk up to them and say, hey, it is so nice to see you, Mr. And Mrs., or would you run as fast as you could and try to hide out in the toilet paper aisle and hope they don't find you? <laughs> and, and, and most people say, I would probably make a run for it. And so yeah. the goal is to empower these teens because what happens is when teens talk to adults in a respectful way, adults, number one, A, can't believe it, but B, they store in that brain of how God made it where they remember teens who are respectful. So when their friends ask them for internship people or who can babysit or who can take care of this or who can do work around yeah. the house, they think of that teen. And that's the moment that key unlocks the door to opportunity. Yeah, that's all so good and 100% true. That resonates with me from the pick your brain thing you're talking about like versus, yeah, I have this plan. Perfect. I absolutely love it. And I, and I love what you're doing with empowering them with the play. So, okay. So coming back to this program. So this is uh, a subscription-based thing that parents can basically bring their teens into, um, you know, for a small monthly fee. And then they have access to courses and stuff. Can you clarify that for us? Yeah. What I've done is I've developed three frameworks. And one is business success skills, the second one is money success skills. And then the third is life success skills. So what we do is every other Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Central Time is we do a 30-minute live stream because we want to we put this in a very engaging format for teens. And so the, the, the exact opposite way to do this would be for me to drone on like a professor, like a teacher at school, and they nod off within five minutes. So we've got fun music. We've got gift card giveaways. We'll bring on special guests. And the goal of all this is we want to present these critical life skills in a fun way. That way, while they're having fun, they're actually reaching their full potential. So right now, we've got enough course material to go through the entire high school years, but we just want people to get involved in it. And so it's right mm -hmm. now $29 a month or $275 for the year. But the bottom line is ultimately where we're going with this, Bob, is that companies will then offer internship opportunities or, hey, we'll give you first priority to hire your son or daughter if you've completed at least one year of Simple Teen Success. Because what we know mm. is so right. many companies these days, when they hire people either out of college or out of high school, and I couldn't believe this, but they're not only hiring people to learn their job, but to have a job at all. 
Most teens have never had any level of responsibility, which shocks me. I mean, you and I, and parents listening, we were finding ways to get our license at 15. And many teens these days aren't even driving themselves to college, which is beyond belief. So part of all this is, I just feel, and this is a crazy, crazy goal, Bob, I'll share it with you. I have a crazy goal to empower one million teens all across the country. And I want those one million teens to have the edge. Because what we like to say is, we tell your teens what you want them to know, but they're probably not listening to you when they tell you. Yeah, that's great. I think that's so empowering. Yeah, because I mean, we all know this. It's like sometimes the... uh, the medium with which the information is communicated makes all the difference in the world. And, you know, I have all these things with Linda where I tell her something a dozen times and then a friend tells her and then it clicks. And, you know, and that's just the way it works. And I, you know, I know that that's the way it works with kids. So that's fantastic. So people can find out more about this at simpleteensuccess.com, correct? Yes. Yeah. And actually there, there's a, there's a downloadable in case people want to kick the tires. It's called five strategies to win in life for teens. You can get Great. that free downloadable at simpleteensuccess.com as well. Awesome. Love it, love it. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for doing this. Uh, I'm excited. Um, the next couple of years we'll be hopping on. And and yeah, and it's such an important thing because I feel the same way. Like there's such a stark contrast between kids who I feel like have um, a level of social acuity with adults and have just their stuff together and then the other extreme it's such a wide gap that i'm sure you you're seeing and you've seen and and i think something like this is such a needed tool to kind of bring some of those that are struggling in those areas to where they can be and i i love that you're doing it so thank you for doing it my pleasure and like you said bob it's 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 not just a teen issue sometimes it's parents who feel like they are inadequate or they've made so many mistakes financially that who are they to tell their kids what to do? And so just being an outside voice, we want to partner with parents to help their teens reach their full potential. Yeah, that's beautiful. All right, brother. Well, great chatting with you as always and look forward to doing it again. Sounds great. Thank you, Bob. Thanks for joining us on the Seed Time Money Podcast. And remember, money isn't the goal, but it's simply a tool to help you fulfill your purpose and your calling. And we'd love to help you achieve true financial freedom faster with our email newsletter. So if you want exclusive money tips and hope-filled encouragement in your inbox, head over to seedtime.com to get signed up.